0: Happy Friday to you, Wicket's World, here on 1350 ESPN, streaming on live on Facebook. Thank you for being a part of it. Uh, Busy. Listen, here's the deal, man. I'm in football mode. I know that there are baseball races happening, and I've got friends that are all about soccer and news, about big names in soccer. Frankly, I have no idea about anything to do with soccer, but I am in a straight-up football mode because... We actually have. I don't think I realized that week zero was upon us. What is week zero? Well, we apparently don't do week one anymore because we need to get more games on TV. But we have actual college football tomorrow to watch. And not a lot of these games, I mean, you may not have a whole lot of interest in, in a lot of these football games. But perhaps you do because if you're like me, you're just so starved for college football. And then, of course, the big games begin the following week. One of these games is going to be great. The very first college football game of the year that kicks off tomorrow, it's Alcorn and NC Central. I got nothing. (laughs) I have nothing. I think if you're from my generation, if you are, I am 40 years old, if you are of my generation, you would assume and you associate one person, and that's the late Steve McNair, (laughs) who went to Alcorn State uh, many years ago, 20 years ago, uh, who passed away a while back, and that's the only thing I can connect to the two things. But there are seven football games tomorrow. So if you're a college football fan, if you're a college football better, which there are many, then this is you, your kickoff is tomorrow. And I don't know the order that these games are played. I'm just going to run you know through them. I know that the Alcorn-NC Central game is first Hawaii and UCLA. UCLA is a 17-point favorite in that one. Southern Utah at San Jose State. I got nothing for that game whatsoever other than I'm just going to want to watch it. You got UTEP and New Mexico State. Again, the same theme is going to be running through me with all of these college football games. Eastern Illinois at Indiana State. Nothing. I couldn't tell you one thing other than some of the somewhat of the location of Eastern Illinois. I know which side of the state it's on. Indiana State, Larry Bird University, I got nothing, but I'll watch it if it's on. And if I don't have to babysit my three children, maybe they'll go to sleep by that point. Doubt, doubtful. UConn and Fresno. Fresno is a 27-and-a-half point favorite in that ball game. That doesn't mean, you know, that they're going to bl- get blown out or they're going to blow UConn out. But it's just, it's so good to get football on. And if you're like me, you're a Big Ten guy. I grew up in Big Ten country. Uh, I married a, a Big 12 girl. I married an Iowa State grad. But I grew up in Big Ten country. I'm from the state of Michigan. I spent a lot of time in Wisconsin, here in Iowa. Like, it's, I'm, I'm all very, very all about the Big Ten, right? Nebraska is at Illinois to open the season. The Big Ten is doing this a lot, by the way. The Big Ten has a lot of, you know, every everybody in the Big Ten is playing somebody in the Big Ten week one next week, except for... Nebraska and Illinois, they're playing each other in week zero. That is the game of the week. That is the two biggest names. That is the two powerhouse teams that are actually playing. And it is such a big year for Scott Frost, the head coach at Nebraska, who I think has 13 wins in his first four years at Nebraska, which is hard to believe because Scott Frost came in as this highly touted coach who took UCF, Central Florida, and did so much with them. And now, if you're going to list coaches on the hot seat, in the Big Ten, or even just in college football, the list begins with Scott Frost. In the Big Ten, there's a guy in Ann Arbor who's also going to be on the hot seat. But this is such a big year for Frost. If he can't get seven, eight wins, he's gone. And whoever would have thought that Scott Frost, one of the great players in the history of the school, was going to be 12-20 and in three years at Nebraska. Nobody thought, and I know it takes a while to turn things around, and I know last year was a strange year with COVID and everything, but not only has Nebraska not been atop the division of the Big Ten West, they haven't even been competitive in the Big Ten West. I mean, you're talking about a guy who went 13-0 and his second year last year at UCF, got the job, he was the savior, he was the next... The next best thing since uh, Tom Osborne, because they've struggled to find any consistent winning, whether it was Callahan or it was Frank Solich, who won nine games a year and got canned. Boy, wouldn't Nebraska fans love to have a guy like Frank Solich who could actually win nine games a year? Goes four and eight the first year, give him a pass. Goes five and seven the next year, you're like, yeah, it's okay, but the third year will be it. And then COVID hit. And Nebraska went three and five and finished fifth for the third straight year under Frost in the Big Ten West. And he gets... Now he gets Illinois to start the season. And I don't know how good Illinois is supposed to be. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I spent a lot of time you know, scouring the, uh, the papers in Champaign-Urbana. But I don't have a lot of expectation for Illinois just because they haven't been very good for very long. But you do finally get... Two Big Ten teams playing each other for the very first time this year. We're going to get to see some college football tomorrow, and it opens with a big one. And a big one, Not it's not Georgia Clemson big, which is the following Saturday's main event, which you can hear right here on 1350 ESPN. You know, it's not that big of a football game, but it means a lot to Nebraska. It means a lot to Nebraska fans. It means a lot to Nebraska boosters. A whole lot of money. Could go one way or the other, depending on how well Scott Frost does, you know, this season. If they start out the year 1-4, 1-5, or whatever, well, they got out of the gate after they get past Illinois. Nebraska schedule. If they don't start out hot and finish in the top half, and I'm not saying they have to win the Big Big Ten West, but they sure as heck have to be competitive. They got to be in the running. You better get eight wins. Nine would be a godsend of a year for Nebraska. And whoever would have thought that nine years, or sorry, nine wins in a year would be like the gold standard for Nebraska? But if they could actually get to that point, it would be huge for Husker fans. They've got Illinois; they're favored. That's a noon game tomorrow. Oh, feels so good to have college football back. Uh, and then Fordham and Buffalo. They should get wins in both of those games, but. It's Nebraska. You can't really bank on them whatsoever. And then, this is super fun, they go to Oklahoma. That's an early kick in Norman, Nebraska, and their old rival, Oklahoma. Chalk that up as an L. They're not pulling off the win in that football game. I don't care even if Oklahoma somehow stumbles out of the gate, number two or three team in the country, depending on what poll you're looking at, with the Heisman front runner, the leader out of the clubhouse, in Spencer Rattler. Then they get a game at Sparty, supposed to be improved. And then Northwestern comes to uh, Lincoln. So you're looking at your first six games. Let's say one, two, three. They, they could be four and two. A legit four and two out of the gate. Now, Nebraska fan, you probably also know this. Nebraska could be two and four out of the gate. They, they may stumble out of the gate, and they could suck. And then if things begin to snowball, because then they've got Michigan at Minnesota, Purdue, the Buckeyes, and they end the year. Boy, Nebraska. Oh, you better get out to a big start, Scott Frost. After they play against Purdue, Nebraska closes the year this way. Ohio State at Wisconsin-Iowa. That's loss, loss, loss. If they're not to six wins before that point, Scott Frost will be gone. He has to get minimum seven wins Uh, I think, to keep his job. I don't think six is going to get it done for a guy who has gone three and six, three and six, three and five. I don't think doubling your win total and going six and six is going to get the job done in terms of serious progress in a football-heavy state, in a football-heavy city, in such a football-heavy and rich program like Nebraska. And then what do they do? They start the process all over again? There may be some people out there that don't look at last year, regardless of school, whatever team... You're a fan of, whether it's Nebraska, whether it's, you know, who had a bit down year last year, Michigan had a down year last year, certain teams had down years last year, LSU had a down year last year. People are blaming the pandemic. People are blaming this. People are blaming that. Listen, if they don't get things righted, they're in Nebraska real quick and they don't start out three, and zero, it's going to be a rough, rough go for Scott Frost and company. But that's the biggest game of the weekend at least in terms of teams with cachet that we actually have uh, to talk about in the world of college football. And then it all gets kicked off again then for real in week one because this is week zero, which is so strange. I still don't know why we're calling it week zero, but we are calling it week zero. And then after that, of course, we get back into the regular swing of things next Thursday, so six days from now. Everybody's darling from last year. Coastal Carolina will blow the doors off at the Citadel most likely. Then you've got your other games uh, the rest of the way out, including Ohio State, and Minnesota, Southern Utah, and Arizona State, uh, UNC, and Va Tech. But there are some dandies that day. Penn State, Wisconsin, huge. Huge. lot of expectations. Number 12, Wisconsin. Number 19, Penn State. You got Bama taking on Miami. You got Iowa going up against Indiana. The expectations coming off last year for both schools are through the roof. Iowa won six straight. Could have won seven had Michigan not gotten COVID. Could have won eight had Mizzou not got COVID in the bowl game. The expectations are high, although they're not the favorite to win the West. That's Wisconsin. And they go up against Indiana, who came off maybe the best year in school history. They get the the quarterback, Pinnocks back. You had 17-18 between Indiana and Iowa in that first week game in Iowa City. but. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll get into Iowa and Iowa State coming up next week on the show, next Friday on the show. But it is all about this weird week zero schedule that we have coming up tomorrow, which should be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I want to switch gears coming up next. I want to talk some NFL and news out of. And I, and I realize this that here we are on 1350 ESPN Des Moines. And I realize that it's usually the Big Five that we start talking about. The Cowboys, the Vikings, the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Bears. And every week we have done that here on this radio program. I try to get somebody on from one of those cities to give us some insight. And we're going to recap some of the things that have been going on in camp with the Big Five here coming up in a bit. But first, there's news out of New England. And there's some incredible audio out of New England that has been taken in a very racist way. You're going to hear it coming up next here on 1350 ESPN.
1: This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. From the Valley Bet Sportsbook app studio, get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app.
0: 1350 ESPN, Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at ESPNDSM. And you can also uh, watch us and like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash ESPN Des Moines. Online Cubs and White Sox coming up later on tonight. 630 for the pregame as one of the... Man, I... Listen, I'm a Brewers fan, all right? I don't... I don't follow the Chicago Cubs with a a passion, but part of me, part of me being around here and knowing so many Cubs fans here in the Des Moines area, it's been a rough go for you. (laughs) If you're a Cubs fan, it is, Kara, our producer, is shaking her head, yes, uh, it has been a rough go for Cubs fans after that trade deadline passed. And now, and I... I know that Cubs fans hate watching the success, say, of the St. Louis Cardinals. That is, you know, hatred. Hatred of the St. Louis Cardinals. You're annoyed by the Brewers, but for the most part, for the last 30 years, the Brewers haven't mattered. They do this year. But when they're playing the Crosstown White Sox, and ever since Interleague has become just a normal thing, I feel like there's just that, that, that hatred between the North side and the South side. But this year... For as good as the White Sox are, this could be a bloodbath in three games. (laughs) It could be really, really bad for the Cubbies as they are looking towards the future with all of the prospects that they have. Uh, And and hopefully, if you're a Cubs fan, things will work out for you in the future. But boy, those White Sox, they look really, really good, really, really strong. And you can hear that game coming up tonight, 6.30 for the pregame, 7 o'clock for the first pitch here on 1350 ESPN. So... This next story is probably going to annoy you, but comes to us out of uh, the New England area. Former New England Patriots quarterback Scott Zolak was on uh, the Sports Hub ninety eight five the Sports Hub, and he played, you know, from ninety two to ninety eight, and he was talking to the guys. And you know, there's a big debate going on in New England. I'm sure you've seen it. It's about who's going to be the quarterback of this New England Patriots team. Is it going to be? Cam Newton or the kid they took in the first round in Mac Jones. And Cam, and, and I have maintained this, I think Cam Newton's washed. I do. I know that last year, COVID and whatnot, and, and Cam hasn't been the same. His body isn't what it was when he came out of Auburn and took the league kind of by storm and went to a Super Bowl with Carolina, what, about five, five six years ago, whatever that was, Cam's not the threat, the dangerous playmaking, dynamic, scary quarterback that he used to be. I just think he's done. I don't know if he's a better option than than Mac Jones is right now. Um, I think, you know, if you watch the uh, the the Indianapolis Colts last year, they had a, a big-bodied quarterback who came in for Phil Rivers, Jacoby uh, Jacob what's his name, Jacoby Brissett. I was going to say Jacoby Ellsbury, but that's not right. That's a Red Sox. Jacoby Brissett. He would come in from those short yardage situations on fourth and one, and he's such a big dude, and he would barrel over, and he would get the first down, then he would come off the field, and then Phil Rivers would go back in. I feel like Cam Newton at this point is best from ten yards in to the end zone, and everything else is a crapshoot because Cam's never been the most accurate thrower ever, and his skill set seems to me to be diminishing. But I think the biggest knock on Cam from a lot of people is Cam's maturity, Cam's focus, Cam wanting to be a leader for a football team. And I don't want to get into a big vaccine discussion with you, but the rules are out there for football players. If games are are forfeited because they don't have enough players on the roster to play in games due to COVID-19... Teams are going to be mad. Teams are going to have to pay for all of the other teams' paychecks. They're not moving games the way they did last year. Cam got COVID last year. Cam had to miss a game or two last year because of COVID-19. Cam had to miss five days of practice this year, this week, already because he didn't know the rules, didn't understand the rules, didn't care about the rules, whichever one you want to believe, and he got a COVID test off-site at a place you're not supposed to get your COVID test And he is unvaccinated. You can play unvaccinated. You just have to get tested often in this league this year. That's fine. That is your call. I cannot force it upon you. But Cam got tested in a place that is deemed illegal, wrong, whatever. Had to miss five days this week. And that got all of the media members. You heard the show right before I came on. We're talking about Cam Newton and whether or not he's the right guy. I don't think Cam Newton is a Super Bowl quarterback at this point in his career. I don't know if the the realistic expectations for the New England Patriots are to get back to the Super Bowl. But Cam never has shown the the, the... the It doesn't come off to me as a guy who was a Cam fan at Auburn. It doesn't... And a Cam fan when he was Carolina. But he doesn't come across as the most serious, the most focused guy in the world. I'm not going to go as far as... What Scott Zolak said. Now, what Scott Zolak said, I'm going to play it for you here in a second. Scott Zolak is probably going to get deemed a racist by what he had to say here. I don't think it was meant to be racist, but Scott Zolak was asked on 98.5 The Sports Hub in New England, in Boston, about what he would do to get Cam Newton's game back on track.
2: I turn off the rap music first of all,
0: because I think it's distracting for Cam
2: here. Because in between every throw, he's dancing.
3: I did and see like, Ka- I did see Karen Garigian of the Herald tweeting about that as he took the field. He's I, doing it in between drills. You're saying? Yeah.
2: He, 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 yeah. He makes a throw and then the music's still cranking. I know you can hear him, uh, faintly in the background here. I think it's distracting uh, for you. <laughs> no, it's when they play Bon Jovi. That's yeah. like the only. Thing. No I'm kidding. Um, but he can't help himself to where. Mac looks like he came to work again. Like he's here to work, and everything's attention to detail. I can't put that but, a, it, but that. But again, is that What is going to say? Is
0: that atypical? That none of this sounds this atypical from Cam. Yeah. Nothing different. Yeah. Okay. Nothing different. Well, that's what he does then, right? I mean, so I, I would. It would be to me. It would be more noteworthy if he was doing something that was out of character. Like it sounds like he's doing all the same stuff, which means he might be he's first through the drills, which I don't. Which I don't like. I don't like it all. By the way, we got a tweet from Brady, and I think this is a good point. You said yesterday though you would be pissed if Cam
2: worked with the ones today. Indeed, and then, yes. So so why so why the change of heart? Um because I think they need to take a hard look at him. I think it's decision I think it's decision week, really. Like just because what happened yesterday, I think you need one more look at Cam just to say, you know what, I, I need I need confidence in my decision, I'm gonna go with Mac here. I need to see that Cam didn't take the five days off serious. Then he came out, he's still jacking around. Um, just looks like Matt came to work today and he didn't. So, you're, like, kind, so you're kind of with me. You still think it's going to be Cam? I do. He Bill hasn't needs- lost the job yet.
0: I agree with that. I, 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 If you were to take my paycheck, my very small paycheck, and you were to put it a bet uh, over at DraftKings.com, if you were to do that and say who is going to be the starter week one, my money's still on Cam Newton because the veteran – the way Bill Belichick brought him in, kept him in, kept him a job, kept him employed, even though they took Mac Jones in the first round. I still believe that Cam Newton is going to be the week one starter. I think that Bill Belichick believes that Mac Jones does not give the Patriots as good a chance to win the division, to win the Super Bowl, as Cam Newton does. Whether or not you believe that is fine. I don't think either one of them has a chance to win the Super Bowl, regardless. I guess Cam has a better shot because he's been through this before. I think Mac Jones will eventually start when New England's two and six. I think. That's just me. But back to what he said in the very beginning. Can we play the first like ten seconds of that again for me, please? Can you can you play a little more of Scott Zolak once again? I
2: turn off the rap music, first of all. Because I think it's distracting for Cam here. Because in between every throw, he's dancing. All
0: right, right, there. Thank you. So, Scott Zolak is going to be painted as a racist by somebody out there. Someone is going to paint him as a racist because Cam is black. Rap music is usually geared towards black people. Cam can't focus because black music is keeping him from playing football at a high level. That's not what Zolak is saying But it is sort of what is going to be painted. Cam Newton, when you watch him, Cam Newton does not come across as the most focused player. He's got a job that six weeks ago we thought was completely secure. There's no way Mac Jones, who many people thought was the bust of the draft, there's no way Mac Jones is going to take that job away from Cam Newton. Not a chance in hell. Well, I think as we're watching the preseason and you're reading reports and especially now that Cam, who had to miss a game last year because of COVID, had to miss five days of practice because of COVID. Not that he got COVID, but because he tested in the wrong spot, wasn't either smart enough, wasn't prepared enough, didn't care enough, or just thought, F it, I'm going to go ahead and try this. Who cares? I'm going to go get tested at, you know, Johnny's COVID testing site, wherever it is. That, to me, is a focus thing. It's like when you have somebody test positive for steroids and their first excuse is, I didn't know that I put that in my body. You have people that you pay to monitor everything that you put in your body. If you're a multi-million dollar athlete, you are paid to know what goes in your body. You have a team of guys to make sure. I used to call them idiot guides. You know, you always see these idiot athletes that go out there and they get drunk and they, and they get a DUI, or they're in a car accident, and they get pulled over with hookers and blow, and you're like, dude, what are you doing? Especially if the, the guys that are out there drinking and driving with between Uber and Lyft, or pay me $60,000 and I'll drive you around. i will be like Turtle from Entourage, all right? But i will smoke a lot less weed. So it's, you should know what you're putting in your body. You should know where you can get your test. You should know where you can get tested for COVID-19. Cam doesn't do that. Cam doesn't care. And to, to, to Zolak's point, again, he's going to get painted as a racist. Black music, black quarterback, what a distraction. But that's not what I think Cam, who has been filmed dancing between plays and practice. it's. I'm not trying to, to, to bring the hammer down and say, this is the no fun league, this is the NFL, it must be this way and that way. Cam's got a job to lose, and right now it looks like Mac Jones, the rookie, the kid from Alabama, is the guy that is more focused, is the guy that... he's Listen, you, you, you look at some of these quarterback jobs. Justin Fields, he wants to be the starter. Trey Lance wants to be the starter. All these guys want to be the starter. Mac Jones actually has a shot to be the, star, the starter. It sounds like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start the year in San Francisco. I don't get it, but it sounds like... And we know that Andy Dalton is going to get the starting job in uh, Chicago. I have no idea who's going to start for the New England Patriots. No clue who it's going to be. But if Cam continues to perform and act this certain way where he's not focused, you know, it's almost like the AI thing. It's practice, man, talking about practice. I get it. What he does in a game matters. I still think it's like 60-40 cam starts, but I understand what Zolak is saying, but he's going to get painted in the wrong light for it. Coming up, more football. All right, if you are living in this area, here in the Des Moines area, you've got an interest in the Chiefs. You may have an interest in the Vikings. We're going to hit both of those two teams coming up next here on 1350 ESPN. Phone lines are open
3: 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN.
0: 50 ESPN. It's Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Hanging out here on a Friday. Got uh, Cubs and White Sox tonight here on 1350 ESPN. 6:30 for the pregame. 7 o'clock from the South Side. We'll have all the games here for you all weekend long. It's football season. Let's be real here. It is all about football right now. Everybody has it in their blood. Everybody can smell it in the air. There's there's pumpkin spice lattes and football in the air. That's what everybody's got. College football tomorrow. Uh, and then we get the big slate of games the following week. And then we get to the NFL. And that first game of the year is going to be the Cowboys taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, say what you. It's, it's tough to get a read on how people feel about the, the Buccaneers. I'll talk about them coming up in just a second. But. Here in the Des Moines area, there are the big five. The Chiefs, the Bears, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Cowboys. Those are the T-shirts you see around here. Those are the flags you see waving. Those are the bumper stickers that you see. Those are the five teams that people care about. I can talk about the Packers forever and ever, all right? I will do that, I promise, at a later time. We'll get to uh, the Minnesota Vikings here in a bit as well. But when Dallas opens with Tampa Bay in less than two weeks... All eyes will be on Dak. The show just before us, Bart and Han here on 1350, they were taking calls from Cowboy Nation across the country and asking what should be done with Dak Prescott. Because of course, Dak's leg snapped midway through, was it October week six or whatever it was last year. And nobody, I mean, the, the Cowboy season ended at that point. I mean, Ben DiNucci sucks and Andy Dalton wasn't any good and, and, and whatnot. Good luck with that Bears, Bears fan. Um, But when Dak's legs snapped, it was like, oh, you felt bad for him. Whether you are a Cowboy fan or not, that was a guy who was about to get one of those massive contracts. Now, he still got paid a huge amount of money. still got paid $160 million. But it wasn't the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen mega deal because people were still kind of concerned about, I mean, the Cowboys were still concerned about his long-term future and let's see what happens. And he is a tremendous talent. He is a guy that is going to throw for, if he's healthy this year and you draft him on your fantasy team, he's going to throw for four, or 5,000 yards, whatever. You know he's going to throw 30, 40, 50 touchdown passes, whatever. Because in that offense, with those weapons, Dak Prescott is going to have all the opportunity in the world to have an MVP, and I mean this, an MVP caliber year. Now, the Cowboys' defense is atrocious, so when they're 6-11 this year or whatever... You're probably not going to include Dak in the conversation with whoever is an MVP candidate, whether it's my guy, Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, whether it's Josh Allen, whoever it may be. Matt Stafford is getting a lot of preseason buzz in the National Football League for MVP, whoever. But I talked to Kelsey Charles uh, from bloggingtheboys.com, and she was fantastic. You can get this at ESPNDes Moines.com. And the first thing I asked her about uh, was, in fact about Dak Prescott was, in fact, about Dak Prescott and his future uh, with this organization. In my 30 years of watching the National Football League, I don't think I've ever seen an entire sport rally around a single guy getting hurt as when Dak Prescott's leg went sideways midway through the first half of the season. And I just, everybody on Twitter, every sport, every athlete, from LeBron James to Patrick Mahomes, everybody was worried because everybody knew Dak was about to get that massive payday and he still got a massive payday so where is Dak at in his rehab and the expectation level for him has to be through the roof coming back
4: yeah I mean I I love that you mentioned how everyone rallied around him I think that's one of the things about Dak is he's just such a leader I actually have, I, I work in sports marketing in my nine to five and I worked with him in a professional setting too and he's just one of those guys that is exactly how he comes off he's very real very authentic and and really is out there working his butt off to just do the best he can like he desperately wants to win for this team so it's easy to cheer a guy like that on and so obviously seeing him go down last year when there were such high expectations you get new leadership in the building there's this revitalized energy and then it just falls flat it's just so depressing but um i can say there's a lot of optimism around around what he's been able to do thus far he's he had a little bit of a setback had to have a bit of a a second surgery if you will back in the fall and and that came out pretty recently. But, um, you know, come OTAs, he's running around. and He straight up tells us in the media, he goes, listen, let's bury that narrative already, guys. Like, I'm done. I'm back. I'm good. Like, I am ready for this. He's talking about pressure is a privilege. And and I personally love that from my quarterback. I love the guy who has a chip on his shoulder when people outside of Dallas are saying, hey, you're not elite. You're not ready. You're not there yet. You probably won't ever be. And he says, okay. I'll take that, and, and I'm going to go ahead and prove you wrong. So I'm here for that type of energy, and coupled with getting everyone back on the field, I feel really good about what this team has the potential to do. Again, you know, I think there's a contingency of Cowboys fans. that are convinced that Dallas is going to win the Super Bowl every year, but um, I feel like they have a pretty good chance of making some decent runs, at least towards the postseason, should everyone kind of gel together with the talent that we have on the field.
0: Kelsey Charles, uh, it's, it She's a great interview, And if you want to go check out the rest of that, ESPNdesmoine.com and check us out on SoundCloud. It's there for you. It, it, it honestly... then that was, by the way, a couple of weeks ago before the shoulder injury kept Dak from getting on the field and playing in any preseason game and getting any sort of uh, feeling of confidence inside Cowboys fans. So that was even before that. So now Dak's got the shoulder injury... And he's got the coming back from the leg injury. There's so much wonder about what, you know, how fragile is Dak at this point. Dak's not a fragile guy. That's not what I'm saying. But until he heals completely, and maybe two years from now, that leg will be, or a year from now, that leg will be where it's supposed to be. But at this point, I think there are a lot of Cowboys fans wondering, well, what do we do? Do we put him out there? Do we let him take a hit? You know, does somebody... You know, because if you've got guys that are competing, and we're about to be cutting these rosters way, 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 way down right now, and the Cowboys are unlike, you know, they're, they're no different from anybody else, they got guys fighting for roster spot 42, 48, 51, 53, the very last guys, they're going to go balls out. And if the, the, the practice says, or whatever, or if Dak gets in the next preseason game and somebody on the other side is trying to make that roster for whoever the Cowboys play in their next preseason game... And that guy doesn't hold up and pummels Dak Prescott early because he's got a clean shot. Somebody blew an assignment. Somebody in practice, a Cowboys practice, is trying to make a name for themselves. Whatever, and you knock out Dak Prescott for the second straight year. You are done. Dallas is done. I mean, they've got no nobody has a quarterback the caliber of Dak Prescott sitting on the bench waiting to come in and play. Dallas will be done before the season even starts. But on the flip side, you have to know what Dak can can do. What can Dak take? What kind of shot can Dak Prescott actually take? Because he's going to see real action. And boy, oh boy, your first opponent is the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, on the road, in Florida, in front of that pirate ship. The crowd is going to be full. The crowd is going to be going crazy. And you know that that defense which harassed the hell out of Patrick Mahomes, wants to get after Dak. They want to get... They're the national spotlight. They want to get off on the right foot. They want to show the world that last year wasn't a fluke. Last year wasn't, you know, this or that. They want to come back and start their run to repeat. And they're going to go balls out to try to knock Dak Prescott down because if you can get Prescott out of the game, you can get inside Prescott's head, you can get Prescott into throwing picks, it's over. He's done. He's one of those guys that I don't know if he's mentally tough enough to overcome early mistakes, and Tampa Bay is going to key on him. They're that good. You saw what they did to Mahomes, and that Dallas line isn't what it used to be. It definitely is not what it used to be, you know, a couple of years ago And they were talking about all these tremendous Pro Bowl t- talent, the uh, offensive linemen that they have. Do I have to take a break right now? Is that what you're telling me, Gable? Is that what you're telling me? You're Okay, yeah, all right. Well, we will come back, coming up, we're going to uh, go north. To Minnesota, Phil Mackey from Score North. The the Vikings have one of the great enigmas in all of the National Football League, and we'll discuss that coming up next here on 1350 ESPN.
3: Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. This is Wickets World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN.
0: 50 ESPN coming up. Aaron Rodgers speaks. You'll hear it here on Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Don't forget ESPNDes Moines.com. Uh, football mood always. Football Friday always. The Minnesota Vikings may have the biggest mystery, the biggest enigma in all of the NFL. There are certain guys that are like you don't know what to make of them. Like would you buy stock in Lamar Jackson, knowing that playoff Lamar doesn't always show up, or people criticize Lamar Jackson's ability to throw. Consistently, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of great wide receiving help outside of Mark Andrews and Marquise Hollywood Brown like twice a year. But one of the biggest enigmas in this entire league is a guy named Kirk Cousins. Quarterback, massive payday. They thought he was the missing link. They've got all kinds of weapons for him. They got Thielen, they got Justin Jefferson, they got Dalvin Cook, they got all these different guys. And he puts up really good numbers. But he's dogged by people like me in the media and by people like Phil Mackey, my guy. Phil Mackey from Score North was a guest of mine, and uh, I had a chance to ask him, you know, about Kirk Cousins and about those numbers and about winning with the Minnesota Vikings. I see all kinds of stats on Kirk Cousins, and I don't know what the pulse of Viking fan is. Do you think you can win a title with Kirk Cousins?
3: (laughs) What's funny, is um, we literally just got done recording today's episode of Purple Daily, which we're, we do. We do a daily Vikings uh, podcast and YouTube show, even during the off season. So we're, you know, we're, we we talk a lot of Kirk Cousins in the off because it's just an interesting subject. And I literally brought this up twenty minutes ago. He is the most polarizing quarterback in Vikings history, probably in the NFL right now. And that if you just look at, and I know this is kind of a basic way of grading quarterbacks, but traditional passer rating. He's sixth all time in NFL history. Like the other guys on the list are Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and it's like and Kirk Cousins is like the other name <laughs> in that mix. And so when you when you just look at it from that perspective, you're like, Oh my God, this guy is, you know, what he but but he has a but his career record, or better put, the, the teams that he has played with, their career, the record when he is the starting quarterback is exactly five hundred over 100-plus starts. And so he's either the unluckiest Hall of Fame quarterback ever that's just been saddled with horrible coaching and a horrible offensive line play and no weapons. And by the way, we know that that's not entirely true. Um, And it's just all of it's holding him back, and and he's 500 because of it. Or a lot of the numbers he's putting up are either uh, against non-playoff teams, which is a fact, uh, or like in last year's case, He was terrible for the first six weeks, led the league in interceptions, seasons basically over at one and five, and then he kicks it into gear, right? So um, he's good, not great, but he's paid like a great quarterback. And as long as he is paid like a great quarterback, they can't win a Super Bowl with him, unfortunately. And that's why Kellen Mond is my quarterback. The third-round pick that they just picked up a couple months ago makes a million dollars a year to the cap, and uh, I think he might start next year for the Vikings.
0: It's Phil Mackey, score north up in the Twin Cities. And it, it, the, the, the stat that jumps out at you is that Kirk Cousins is the sixth all-time highest-rated quarterback in the history of the National Football League. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so, you know, if you're looking from a fantasy football perspective, Kirk Cousins is your guy. But if you're looking from a winning perspective, is Kirk Cousins your guy? I don't. They, like he said at the very end there, They're paying him like he's their their guy. He's a guy that they're throwing eighty million, eighty four million guaranteed that first contract. They extended him. They added more guaranteed money onto it. You know, it's it's a strange, strange situation surrounding Kirk Cousins. And I think that the the Vikings are at their best when the offense doesn't focus around their quarterback, when it focuses around Dalvin Cook. The caveat to that, of course, is Dalvin Cook hasn't played a full season in several years. Dalvin Cook isn't glass, but he's not the most durable guy on the planet. So what do you do? Do you put the ball in the hand of Kirk Cousins and say, go win us some games? Or do you give the ball to Dalvin Cook and hope that he can hold up at this rate? I don't know if he's a 22, 25 carry guy anymore, but you got to get him 20, 22 touches because he's so dangerous with the football. Just asked my Green Bay Packers when he scored four touchdowns on him in a game late last year. That sucked. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers was uh, at the podium recently. And, you know, somebody made, it's funny, somebody said you've had a pretty sharp camp. And some of the words from Rodgers are kind of revealing about what his future may be in Green Bay.
1: I think the practice reps are the most important thing because you're going to see more defenses that you might see in the in the regular in the regular season i think what hurt him uh, more was maybe missing that day against the jets or both the miss both, both the days yeah missing those two days because uh salah threw a lot of things at us and that to me is more important uh than in the game now the first week the texans didn't play a whole lot on defense they played some very uh, vanilla coverages it would have been better against the jets uh buffalo i'm assuming i heard starters are going to play but uh, this would be great for him because the starters and that Bills defense, which is very aggressive and, and throws a bunch like of
2: different looks. Uh, would be
1: good for him. Uh, the thing, and I talked about it with uh, John Kuhn uh, the first week, the most important thing for any young quarterback, especially for Jay, is the footwork. And when he throws the ball on time, he's a very accurate quarterback. Um, you know, if there's any type of clutter with uh, progression or read or whatever. For any of us, any quarterback, when you're not throwing the ball in rhythm, it becomes more difficult to be accurate and be effective. Um, I thought just today we were working on a couple of things with Getze and I thought uh, he did a really nice job um, with a couple of things we were working on with him and, and Kurt and, uh, and Jake. So, um, you know, he just needs to trust his footwork and, and go out and, and, uh, and play play in rhythm.
0: It's Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers talking about uh, the guy who's going to take his job next year, and that's Jordan Love. You know, Aaron didn't say this is a Super Bowl or bust year. He did say at one point in this press conference that everybody kind of knows what's at stake and who knows what is going to be in play next year. And, you know, when Jordan Love got hurt in that first preseason game when he was leaning back to throw or rearing back to throw and all of a sudden somebody came back and he tweaked his arm, you know, you, you're, you may want to make sure he sits out that second preseason game. Should be a good one for him. He's got the bills, and that kid needs all the reps he can get because the job's his next year. Unless something crazy happens, who knows? Hey, my thanks to Gable and Kira for producing this fine radio program. If you missed any of it, you can podcast it at Des Moines.com. Follow us on Twitter at ESPNDSM. Like us on Facebook. And don't forget Cubs and White Sox later on tonight at 6.30 for the pregame, and then Pat and Ron have the call right after 7. My name is Mike Wickett. Thanks so much for listening to Wickett's World. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll talk with you next week here on 1350 ESPN.